The weird thing about houses is that they almost always look like nothing is happening inside them, even though they contain most of our lives. I wondered if that was sort of the point of architecture. John Green. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Leesis. We get to talk about something fun today. That yes. At least we find fun. Yes. A lot of what we've talked about thus far has been about creating your world and creating your magic system, creating a flavor of your culture that makes sense. I like to talk about the more down-to-earth, real, accessible things in a fantasy culture. So we are talking about weather and architecture today. One of the first things you should consider before you start trying to build your weather and your architecture and your culture is what genre you're writing in. Absolutely. That's the first indicator to a lot of your readers what to expect for your story and the setting that your story is going to be in is your genre. So if I have it as a space opera, there's a good chance most of the story takes place on a spaceship. If I have it as a steampunk, there's a good chance it takes place in Victorian era with lots of interesting technology. And zeppelins. Yay! Yes, you have to have a zeppelin because it's steampunk. So obviously it's not set in stone. Just because you're writing fantasy doesn't mean you need to build yet another medieval setting or world. You can be creative. You can be unique in the culture and the world that you're creating. But consider carefully before you put a sci-fi book in the forest. Yes. So one of the books that I've written but don't intend to publish is All Swords, No Sorcery. Technically, it is a fantasy story, even though there isn't a bit of magic in it. There are two warring countries. There's the battle over the king. A lot of the elements of building a culture that come into a fantasy story technically puts it in the fantasy category, even though there isn't an element of magic. So you don't have to have magic to write fantasy, although it's expected. So once you've figured out your genre and the kind of story that you're going to be writing, it's time to build the world. Yes. A lot of the tiny details really set the scene for your entire flavor of your book. So when you're building your cultures, you have to consider where that culture lives first. Do they live in the forest? Do they live in the desert? Do they live on a spaceship? And how does that affect them and the architecture? If your culture is completely underwater, inhabited by humans, then you're going to probably see a lot of bubbles. And this room is bubble-shaped because it's easier to construct that kind of thing underwater to inflate the building. And you have these like tubes that are rounded on the edges. This is all architecture reflecting your culture. When you are designing your town, a lot of people build maps. I know that's helped me in creating new worlds is building a map to help keep everything in detail. When you are building your maps, don't just say there are buildings here. There are districts for the larger towns. So you're going to have the fishing district. You're going to have the wealthy district. You're going to have the religious district. Make sure all of your buildings have a purpose. If it's just housing, sure. The first book that I wrote, all of the housing was along the walls in this compound because if they got attacked, that was the first thing that they were okay losing. Think back to earth cultures and histories and the architecture that they had. 
think about Roman and Greek cultures. Gothic. Gothic, Gothic. architecture is like signature. It's not necessarily about the building and the structure, but it was about the art and the creation and the beauty of having these grand facades on a building. You will see resurgences of styles in architecture, and that's something to access in your story. And that goes back to the culture. What does the culture prize at that time, and what are they interested in? So in the 1920s, the reason why a lot of your Egyptian-style architecture came back into popularity was because they were starting to explore Egyptian history and do those tomb investigations. It became very popularized and it became very romanticized. So the culture has a huge determination on what the architecture looks like, what kind of detail is put into it. But how it's shaped is more about the weather. Yes. If you look at a lot of ancient cultures, they lived underground. If you look at a lot of the far northern where they expect a lot of snow, it's going to be a lot of wood. So whatever the culture is, the territory that they're living in is a reflection of that. One of the details to pay attention to are the roofing styles. So in the Middle East, the roof was often considered a little bit of a top story to their home. That's where a lot of the bathing was done. A lot of the stuff that needed to happen in open air would actually happen on the roof. They were all flat. It's very easy for a ninja to run across from house to house to house. If you're in the far north where you're expecting a lot of snow every year and you have a flat roof, that roof is going to collapse under the snow. So the higher in elevation you get and the higher in latitude you get, the more snow you're expecting, the steeper that roof is going to be. It is a waste of resources to make it too steep, so you end up having this gradual roof steepage as you travel to more and more snow-populated areas. It's why one of the very quintessential views of Norway and your Scandinavian-type countries The houses, you have this very picturesque, very steep roof in your mind where, yeah, the attic is pretty much going to be useless, but that's not why it's steep. You want the snow to just slide right off. Yes. Something else to keep in mind as you're designing your architecture in your world is the practical elements of heating, cooling, and cooking. So if you have a fire in the middle of the house, one that's unsafe and probably not going to last very long, it could be a decent heating element, but you have to get the smoke out of the house somehow. You don't want to let the smoke up into the upstairs bedrooms and then like carbon monoxide your entire upper floor. One of the things kind of goes along with this heating and cooling. I lived in uh, Houston, Texas, Galveston, Texas for a while. And a lot of the old houses from the 1800s, early 1900s had very, very high ceilings because heat rises. Mm -hmm. And then up above doorways in hallways, entryways and stuff like that, they would have windows. Even indoors between rooms, they would have windows that you could open to allow airflow between these rooms so that one room didn't get too hot. And in the Northern Hemisphere, especially in the hotter regions, you'll often find massive blackout curtains on the southern wall because the sun is on the southern half of the sky. And so you'll open those windows in the morning, let all the cool air in, close them, 
put the curtains down and then try to reflect all of that heat throughout the day in order to normalize the temperature inside the house. So time of day is another thing to consider when you're designing the interior structure of whatever world you're in. And of course, if you're in the southern hemisphere, then the sun's in the northern half of the sky. The cultural technology, where they live, the weather, the geography of a world also plays a lot of part in some of the technology that they develop. The use of carts versus beasts of burden. So if you look back at like ancient South American cultures, they had the wheel, they would use the wheel in toys, but they didn't have carts, they didn't have wagons, they didn't have transportation that used wheels because they're mostly in mountains mountains where that's not efficient. So they're using pack animals instead to carry things around. Something else to consider is your water flow. So most major cities are next to the ocean or at least near a massive body of water because water draws life to itself. And if you have a rather large city, you want your wealthy district to be upstream for the simple fact that people poop. So your wealthy district are going to be the ones who are upstream and they can send their sewage downstream and your lower classes are going to have to deal with it. Another quick note about city design in cultures. If you have a main city, if you have a place where people go, what did it used to look like and what does it look like now? If you go to some big cities, you'll have roads that just don't make sense, that don't quite line up right. And it's because they've developed over time. So you'll have some roads point one direction, like a north-south direction, and then you'll have some other roads that point in a more northwest-southeast kind of direction that just aren't quite right. It's because that city used to be a certain way, but then as technology grew, as the culture grew, as that city grew, things changed and developed. And you'll have two towns that end up merging together that don't mesh really well with the infrastructure. And that town may have been a crossroads at some point that people just sort of set up shop in order to increase traffic to whatever their shop is. You're going to see a lot more of that in European than you are going to see that in American city layouts. American city layouts are much closer to that grid formation simply because the technology was farther advanced when we started laying out cities in the U.S. So if we're looking at county lines and how they're drawn, they're either completely straight lines or along a waterway in some regard. So remember, it can help your reader know your world without having to explain when you have simple things like steeped roofs. And if you have water very prevalent around your city, it can help them know about the culture. And how your characters are going to interact with it. If you have flat roofs in a snowy area, then yeah, maybe your ninja can run across them. But I am less likely to believe that there's snow on a regular basis there. So... Go out there, be creative, create worlds that have never been seen, never been known before. Create those cultures that base it in something people do know. And until next time, write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 